Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're beginning a new expository preaching series through the book of Mark. Today, Pastor Jim will preach an introductory message on what he called Mark chapter 1, verse 0. Most Christians probably don't know much about the 400 years that passed in the history of Israel between what's recorded in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament and the incarnation of Christ during the reign of the Roman Empire. It's always helpful to understand the historical context when we read Scripture. And in this case, a lot changed in and around Israel in the world between the Old Testament and the New. Well, we hope this week will prepare you for the weeks and months we will spend learning what the book of Mark teaches us and how we should apply it to our lives as 21st century Christians today. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, From Malachi to Mark. Now, I want to apologize because there just might be somewhere in the room a a teacher of world history, and I'm, uh, needless to say, compressing a little bit or a whole lot. But let's just say, after Greece, along comes Rome. Is is that a good enough summary of things? Uh, Al Mohler talks about a... Um, a church history professor that he had who introduces the course this way. He says, After the apostles and before your grandmother, stuff happened and it was important. <laughs> All right? There was important stuff from Greece to Rome, but by the time you open the New Testament, Rome is in charge. And without boring you uh, the dates, that's what we need to know for this morning. So before we move on, though, I want you to uh, draw some lessons some applications from the realm of just this simple contemplation of world news between the Testaments. Now, first of all, this is a majestic testimony to the sovereignty of God. The fingerprints of God are all over that portion of history as they are over everything else. God is the one who determines the the breadth and the time of the influence of every single country that has ever existed. Now that 400 years might not be recorded in the Bible in the form of history, but it is recorded in the form of prophecy. And as with all prophecy recorded in the Bible, these prophecies are fulfilled with great precision. This all came to pass. This sequence of empires came to pass exactly as God predicted it. A second thing to learn from that is a direct corollary of it. Because God is sovereign, He is trustworthy. If He is sovereign, that means He's in control. And if He's in control, you never need to fret. You don't need to worry about the affairs of nations. Conquerors come and go throughout the pages of history. Tyrants come and go. They rise and fall. Wicked men gain control of nations from time to time. Their folly runs its course. And none of that changes God's trustworthiness or His plan even a tiny bit. We live in a nation that is 
something over 200 years old. It has been a very fruitful nation, a very prosperous nation, a tremendously blessed and influential nation. And like most empires or nations throughout human history that have lasted a couple of hundred years, I think it's safe to say ours is in decline. And if our nation continues to decline, if it continues to take away freedoms that I consider precious, uh, I'm going to go right on worshiping God and preaching His Word. No matter who's elected, no matter who attacks whom, no matter what they say, because that is God's plan. Now, I would miss many aspects of this very comfortable, pleasant life that I have, but I won't be shaken from my faith in God if something happens to it. He is, He always has been, He always will be sovereign, good, and trustworthy. And find something else to draw from the world news between the, the Testaments is this spread of the Greek language. That's a marvelous example of God's providence. Never before, from the Tower of Babel until the spread of the Greek Empire, there had never been a vehicle such as Koine Greek to carry the Word of God to the people of many nations so smoothly. You know, men rarely have the idea that they are serving the purpose of Almighty God, and yet their actions are always under His control. Alexander the Great did not set out his things-to-do list when he was in his teens and say, I'm going to conquer the world and set up a system of language that will spread the New Testament. He had no intention of that. There was a Roman emperor named Caesar Augustus, who decided that he would order a census in order to solidify and bolster his tax base. He had no idea that he was a pawn in the hands of God and his demand for a census is what took Mary and Joseph to precisely the place that God predicted would be the birthplace of Messiah at exactly the time that God designed for the Messiah to be born. The point is, don't let political ups and downs, don't even, even political eruptions, don't let them shake your faith. Don't let them frighten you. Well, they can be terribly inconvenient, and they can be bad for your health, but God is in control. All right, that's world news between the Testaments. Have you ever in a history class in your life covered 430 years in that short of a time? Neither have I, and I'm sorry for whatever I may have done. All right, number two, but that's what we need to know. Those are the key factors for us. Second thing I want you to consider is how Jewish life changed between the Testaments. If you were a Jew living in Israel at the close of the Old Testament, your life was quite a bit different from a Jew living in Israel at the beginning of the New Testament. And there were at least four very significant factors within the life of the Jews between the Testaments that are significant. I'm just going to give you four very quick developments of Jewish life between the, de- the, the Testaments. Number one is the diaspora. You can pronounce that with emphasis on almost any syllable you want, and somebody will think you know more than they do. Um, the, back when Israel was given permission to return and rebuild Jerusalem, only about 50,000 Jews made that long trip back to resettle and rebuild Jerusalem after the captivity. The vast majority 
stayed back in Persia. And they came in a couple of waves, like I say, under Ezra and under Nehemiah. But many of them eventually migrated even farther away than Persia to places around the Mediterranean Sea and, and up into Europe. This scattering of the Jews is known as the dispersion. Diaspora is just a foreign language way to say the dispersion. For those who returned, life was once again centered around the temple. But for most Jews in the world, ever since 586 B.C., when the last ones were taken into captivity, for most Jews, the temple has never been part of their lives. That's a profound change in the nature of Judaism, and it leads to the next development. Development number two in the life of the Jews between the Testaments is the rise of the synagogue. Now, you can search in vain through the Old Testament to find reference to a synagogue. It isn't there. And then the word synagogue shows up in the New Testament with no explanation of where it came from. Here's what happened. The captivity brought about the complete absence of a temple. So they couldn't bring the sacrifices. They couldn't do those things. So Jews began meeting together in places called synagogues. That word comes from a Greek word. Remember the word Hellenization? It's the Greek word that means to gather together. A synagogue is a gathering together place. Jews would gather together. They couldn't bring the sacrifices. They couldn't do all of that. But they could read the Scriptures. They could pray together. They could fellowship together. Most of what happens in a church today is essentially uh, patterned after what happened in synagogues in the New Testament times. From the end of the captivity, wherever Jews went, synagogues arose. I think there's even a, a rabbinic rule that it takes 10 Jews to form a synagogue. I think that's the magic number. And even in the land of Israel, even after the temple was rebuilt, there were still synagogues, even though they could reasonably travel to the temple. Uh, they were the gathering places for Jews in any local area. That's a very significant development. Development number three is the Septuagint Another fancy word you can use on your friends. As Jews scattered further and further, as more and more time went by, as they were more and more removed from their native Hebrew language, it was harder and harder for them to understand the Scriptures. Give it a few generations and you're going to be speaking the language that the people around you are speaking, and that was mainly Greek. So Jews of the diaspora necessarily became Greek-speaking in order to just carry on life in the Hellenized world. For that reason, there came to be a translation of the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew with a little bit in the dialect called Aramaic, and it was translated into Greek. That translation is called the Septuagint. The name comes from the Latin word for 70, so you often see the Septuagint um, abbreviated by the Roman numeral LXX for 70. There's a Jewish legend that says that around 250 B.C., a man named Ptolemy Philadelphus brought together 72 scholars who translated the Old Testament into Greek in 72 days. Now, that legend is probably 
a legend. It's highly suspect. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.